Thank you, Zach. Good morning. We are uh, looking at two passages this morning. We're going to finish up our series today, the series for Christ, for Clanton. What it means to be the church. What does it mean that we exist for Christ uh, in Clanton? So not simply for the glory of Christ, but also for the good of the place where we live or the places where we live. What does it mean for us to be the church located here? And just to remind you of what we've seen so far, that we exist, the church exists, to make followers of Jesus. That's what we do. We exist to make people, uh, to, to help people learn to follow Jesus. And that means engaging with those who are not yet followers of Jesus. That means uh, helping equip and grow those who are followers of Jesus. Uh, And there are three areas that we've looked at. Worship, community, and mission. Disciples worship, disciples engage in community, and disciples engage in mission. Now, it's that last one, I think, that probably is the most daunting. Is it not? Uh, This idea that... I have a role to play, I have a part to play in reaching others for Christ. I think if you were to ask most Christians, uh, they would probably say that uh, the two things that they don't like or feel the the most nervous about, feel the most ashamed of, would be prayer and evangelism, right? Everything else, on the whole, we probably feel fairly good about. And even when you look at these three areas, we probably feel pretty good about worship. We don't, we don't mind gathering to worship God. Uh, we, we know that we need to grow in the area of privately worshiping God. Uh, but that's something that we can say, yeah, you know, I feel comfortable. I want to grow in that some more. Uh, and then, of course, I don't know many people who have a beef with community. Uh, most of us enjoy gathering with other people, other like-minded people, uh, growing in that, in that grace. But when it comes to mission, when it comes to sharing Jesus with those outside of the church, that's the one where we're like, you know, that's the one that causes the most discomfort, the most heartburn. And so uh, last week, what we saw Paul do, we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and how Paul describes himself as an ambassador, right? An ambassador of reconciliation that God has reconciled sinners to himself, God has uh, reconciled sinners to himself through his son. By making his son sin for us, we become his righteousness. So Jesus has taken our place uh, and we have received, we've been credited with his righteousness. That's reconciliation. Paul says those who have been reconciled are now ambassadors of that reconciliation. It's you are ambassadors of that grace. So every church is a little embassy, right? A little outpost of the kingdom of God on foreign soil proclaiming the message of the king. That's what we saw last week. But what I want to do today as we finish this up, I I just want to get as practical as possible. Because, yeah, maybe uh, we, we hear that idea, we hear that title, okay, I'm an ambassador. But what does that mean? What does that mean for me? What does that look like in my life? So hopefully we're going to answer some of those questions today. Before, and if my mic keeps cutting out, I'm going to switch to the podium. 
I do want to get as practical as possible, but I also want to acknowledge that a sermon is not the best way. Uh, it's, it's hard to equip people for ministry from a sermon. And that's because I'm the one who's doing all the talking and you're, you know, correcting your children and making your grocery list. So, um, this is maybe not the best environment. So I want to, I'm going to lay some things out there with the acknowledgement that we want to, uh, we're, we're going to, we're going to take a few more opportunities for growth in this area. One of those, uh, is right now in our growth group. So our Wednesday night small groups, we've, we are actually intentionally looking at what it means to be a mission centered church, right? How does it, how does it, change the church to be focused on our mission. That's what we're doing on Wednesday nights. It's what we're discussing in our growth groups. If you're not a part of one of those, uh, we've got two of them. We'd love for you to connect into one of those. And then secondly, on Sunday mornings, uh, we usually have one adult equipping class, one Sunday school class for adults. Right now, that class is studying the book of Revelation. Once Revelation is over, we're going to spend some time talking about uh, evangelism or what it means to, uh, and don't let that word scare you away. Uh, if you picture like somebody on TV asking for money, that's not what we're talking about. But we simply mean what is, how, what are some practical ways, how do I share the good news? So we're going to be talking about that uh, on in another month or so. So, uh, but as far as today, what does it look like to be an ambassador of grace? Let's look at two passages that can help us here. Uh, the first passage we're going to go to is Luke 24, verses 44 through 49. So if you're uh, using the Pew Bible there, uh, that's page 885. And then after we read that, we're going to flip over and read Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. And if you're using the Pew Bible, if you want to put your finger there, that'll be page 909. So Luke 24 and Acts 1. Before we read, let's ask for God's help. Let's pray. God in heaven, as we, uh, as we open your word, we pray again that you would help us to understand it. That you would open our minds to understand it. To see you. To understand what it is that you have called us to Lord, whether we need to be uh, exhorted, uh, corrected, or encouraged, Lord, I pray that we would receive that this morning. So, God, by your grace, would, uh, would you help us as we read and hear from your word? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke 24, verse 44, Jesus has risen from the grave. And he is meeting with his disciples before he ascends into heaven. Uh, this is one of his uh, final conversations with them. I'm actually gonna, um, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna start reading in verse 44. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending you the promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And then flip over to Acts chapter 1. We'll read 
starting in verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. I want to answer three questions uh, as we talk about, okay, what does it mean for me personally to be an ambassador of grace? I'm not a pastor. I'm just an average Joe or Jane, Joette, when you want to say that. Uh, what does that... What does that look like for me? You know, this is a this is an area that's just we've got a lot of fear, we've got a lot of guilt, and so let's see if we can unpack some of that. One of the three questions that I believe Jesus answers for us in these passages: one, what do we say? You know, if, if I'm going to have a spiritual conversation with somebody, what in the world? How, how do we get there? What do we say? What do we talk about? What is what is most important? So, what do we say? Who do we tell? Uh, who am I responsible to share this good news with? Who do we tell? And then finally, how does this work? How exactly does God use uh, my words to, uh, to, to change someone else's life? Or uh, maybe even kind of one of the, the fearful areas is, is how much of this burden do I bear? What am I responsible for? So how does this work? Let's look at those three questions. Luke and Acts are two parts of the same story. They're written by the same person, a man named Luke. The first, the first work, the Gospel of Luke, tells the story of Jesus' life and what he came to do. Uh, the second part of this story, Acts, tells the story of what Jesus then continued to do through the church by his word and spirit. Okay, so Luke and Acts are really two volumes of the same, of the same work, which is why we, well, the passages we read have a little bit of overlap. Okay, uh, Luke is recounting Jesus' last physical days on earth with his disciples before he ascends to heaven. Uh, and in this last conversation, he does something of a recap with them. He's meeting with his disciples. He's actually eating a meal with them. And then he, and then he reminds them, these early followers, of what he had said and done, right? If you look at Luke 24, 44, he says, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. So while I was walking with you for these past three years, I've been teaching you the whole time from the law the prophets and the writings or the psalms those are the those are the three divisions of the hebrew bible what we call the old testament and so what jesus is saying is everything that has happened to me my life my crucifixion my death my resurrection all of those things I've actually been telling you about all along. Right? They come from your Bible. Right? You have access to them. Everything in them that refers to me, I have fulfilled. In other words, I have executed God's plan that you have been reading about to save the world. I have done it. I have, I have fulfilled my part, really, 
all of it is his part. But I have, I have done uh, what um, I have fulfilled God's plan. I am God's plan. And then it says something interesting there in verse 45. It says, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Now, if you were around in the 90s, all those years ago, if you were around in the 90s, you may remember the magic eye craze. All right, they were these uh, these little pictures. Sometimes they were on. They they had books. Uh, remember, in, in my my high school senior class shirt, they put it on a T-shirt. Okay, but they were these pictures of like random dots and shapes. And if you stared at it long enough and in just the right way, like this 3D shape, would you would be able to see this magical 3D shape kind of emerge out of all the dots. That's at least how it's supposed to work in theory. I could never do that. Right, I would stare cross-eyed at it, I would get close, I would pull back, I couldn't, I, I, I never could get the key that unlocked the whole picture. So I just ended up staring at dots. Okay, I did not have magic eyes apparently. Um, well that's what, that's what these disciples were doing with their Bibles. They were familiar, they, these were, these were Jewish men, they knew the scriptures. And yet Jesus had to open their eyes. Jesus had to remove some blinders. Jesus had to help them understand that he is the key to the scriptures. He, he opens their minds to understand. These disciples knew, but Jesus had to help them actually see that he was the key to understanding. And here's what Jesus helps them understand. Three things. That the Messiah would suffer, which he had done. That he would be raised from the dead on the third day, which had happened. And now that repentance and forgiveness would be preached in his name or proclaimed in his name. And that's what would happen now. Notice that the first two lead to the third. That Jesus' death and resurrection now lead to a message to be proclaimed. Right? He is, he is the content. He is the content of the message. His work on the cross and, and in the empty tomb is what these disciples will now bear witness to. So our message, repentance and forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus, is a result, comes from what Jesus has already done. Those are the three things that Jesus says they, they need to understand from the scriptures. His death, his resurrection, and now that that would be proclaimed. And what we see that that this message is actually a two-part message. Okay, there's, there's two parts to this. And the first is the good news itself. What Jesus has done. In Luke's day, that word, the word gospel, which we, we say a lot here and you, and you see it in the New Testament a bunch. That word gospel, which means good news, was actually used as, it was an announcement. If something great had happened that made an impact on your life, like, Caesar has a new son, a new Caesar has been born. That would be, that gospel would be proclaimed. That was an announcement. It was good news if it had an impact on your life. And why that's important is because, again, what we like to say is that this is good news, that, that what Jesus has done is good news. It's not good advice. That every other religion offers good advice. Here's what you need to do. But that Christianity offers good news, here's what you must believe. Or in other words, here's what has been done for you, so believe it. Right? Good news versus good advice. And our message 
is not good advice. Here I got five things that you need to fix, and if you fix these five things, your life will be great, and God will be happy with you. That's not the message of Christianity. The message of Christianity is here's what Jesus has done. That's the first part. But that news demands a response. What will you do with what Jesus has done? What will you do with what Jesus has done? And what the, the disciples are to proclaim is repentant, repentance and forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. Because of what Jesus has done, you can repent and find forgiveness. And that word repentance simply means to turn, to change your direction. So let's put all that, put all that together. Uh, here is our message. So if we're answering the question, what do we say? How, how am I an ambassador of grace? What, what is the core message of what I need to say? Because Jesus died and rose again to forgive your sins, repent and believe in Jesus. That's it. That's the message. That's the, that's the core message. You should turn to Him because He has solved your greatest problem. Okay? Now, what does that, what does that mean for us? Let's, let's, let's apply that a little bit. When uh, uh, my wife was in college, uh, she went to Brazil for a summer uh, to do what's called a, a cross-cultural project with a campus ministry known as, as Campus Outreach. And during one of their... And what they would do is they basically would just go on college campuses. Uh, they were college students meeting other college students looking for an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. Okay? Um, and w- during one of their early training sessions, uh, one of the leaders told them, they said, listen... Focus on the main thing. The main thing is Jesus. Your job is not to convince them that communism is wrong. Because the college they were going to was very socialist in nature, right? That's not the main message. Your job is not to convince them that capitalism is better than communism. That may be true, but that's not what we're here to do. Your job is not to convince them that abortion is wrong. That is true. But that is not the main message. Your main message is that Jesus Christ has come into the world to save sinners. And that they can experience that forgiveness if they believe in His name. Our main message is Jesus. Everything else, important and true, flows from that. Now some of those other areas may provide an avenue and a way to kind of get to it, but we want to be about Jesus. That's our, that's our, that's our real message. Okay? That's, that's where we want to focus. Um, so our main message is Jesus Himself. That's where we, because what I need more than anything, what I need more than anything to have my politics reworked, or my views on different social issues changed, what I need more than anything is to know God. is to be reconciled to God and have my sins forgiven. Everything else will begin to fall into place from there. Once a person, once a person is reconciled with God through Jesus, then, we can, then everything else will... The, the rest of that process is the maturing and growing process which, you, which we can work on. But even that is rooted in Jesus. So let's start there. Let's make the main thing the main thing. So what do we say? Who do we tell? If a message is Jesus, then, then who do we tell it to? And what Jesus says is, this message is for all the nations. All the nations. Now you may read that and think, 
oh, well, this is about sending missionaries to foreign countries. But the word nations uh, doesn't actually refer to uh, nations in the sense that we think about it. The word nations doesn't refer to countries with borders and governments. The word nations actually refers to people groups, to tribes, to clans, bound by the same culture, bound by the same language. This good news about Jesus has has relevance for every people group on the planet. So it's not just a Jewish gospel. Uh, Zach was pretty clear in his prayer time, right? This is not just an American gospel, nor is it just a middle class gospel or an upper class gospel or a lower class gospel. This message has relevance for every tribe, for every language, for every nation. Jesus is Lord of the whole earth. And he has reconciled sinners from every single group on the planet to himself. And so when we think about who do we tell, and this would have, and this would have shocked the, the men he was speaking to. Because Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. And you can even see their misunderstanding there in Acts chapter 1 when the, the first question they asked Jesus is, uh, okay, so are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Right? Are you finally going to make Israel great again, Jesus? And what does Jesus say? Not in the way that you think, right? He doesn't, he doesn't even really answer the question. He just says, it's not for you to know. It's not for you to know. That's not, that's not your focus. The focus is that we get this good news about Jesus to, to all people. Yes, in Oceana, and yes, down the street. Wherever there are people, that is where we carry the message. That is where we report. Uh, so who do we tell? Um, look, look, at what, uh, look at what Jesus says in verse 48 of Luke 24. He says, you are witnesses of these things. What does he mean? He's saying, you've seen all of this happen. You've experienced it for yourselves. Now just go talk about it. You are witnesses, and that's what witnesses do. Uh, think Think reporters, okay? Think good reporters, not not just talking heads, but actually reporters who share the news, right? They were reporters of what they had seen. Their job, like a good reporter, was to simply tell the news about Jesus. And they were to do that beginning in Jerusalem and then radiating out from there, right? Uh, flip over to Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8, Jesus says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So beginning at Jerusalem, this gospel telling, this witness bearing would just radiate out like a, like a pebble dropped in a, in a lake. It would it radiate out from there. So they started in Jerusalem, their hometown. And then move to Judea and Samaria, their region. And then to the ends of the earth, right? The whole known world. And that's actually what we see happening by the end of the book of Acts. That the message, in fact, Acts follows this structure. We start in Jerusalem. And then we have some disciples move out from Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria. And then as they move out from there, they actually make their way around the Mediterranean Sea, hitting every uh, point 
uh, on the Roman Empire, okay? And, and the book actually ends in Rome, the center of the known world at that time, okay? But I think this is helpful for us to think about, well, what, what's my sphere? What am I responsible for? Uh, think about it in these three terms. We want to be, even like, let's just think about us as a church. Let's start with our hometown. What's our Jerusalem? Clanton, Chilton County. This is, this is where, this is the first place we can bear witness. And then, Judea and Samaria. Right? For us, that may mean the region. That may mean our whole country. Um, that's probably what it, what it would have meant for them. Okay? So, we have local, and then we have the next level up, and even in, to the end of the world, to the ends of the earth. Right? And, and very few may be called to that end. As a church, I can say I would, I would love for us to see. So, uh, I was reading about Afghanistan as we were getting ready to pray for Afghanistan this morning. Uh, it is one of the most under, uh, under-evangelized, least Christian places on the planet. Uh, in, that, in that small country, uh, there are 70 different people groups. 70 different people groups, most of whom who do not have the scriptures in, do not have the Bible in a language that they can understand, in their, in their own native language. Uh, so they may have to learn English or uh, another language to, to learn the Bible, uh, to be able to read the Bible. As a church, what, is it, what does it look like for us? And maybe it's just praying for Afghanistan, which is great. Um, but what does it look like for us to bear witness to the unreached people groups of Afghanistan? Or the unreached people groups of India? Right, these places where, uh, where Jesus has not really been made known just yet. I would love for us, uh, maybe, a, maybe a group of us, to become passionate about seeing the gospel made known where it hasn't been made known before. And maybe that's getting connected to a missionary, maybe that's sending out missionaries, who knows. Uh, but that's to the ends of the earth. Um, probably for most of us where we could tend to focus is how do I share the good news about Jesus in my Jerusalem, in Clanton or Chilton County? What, is that, what does that look like for me? Um, a few things. Prayer, right? Uh, Zach preached a, a couple of Sundays ago on prayer. A prayer is crucial to uh, the life of the disciple and the mission of the church. Uh, prayerful proclamation. Now, that's what we're talking about now, this message, proclaiming God's word by God's people. Prayerful proclamation by God's people. Uh, so maybe, maybe you begin thinking about, okay, who are those people? Who are the people, maybe one or two, who are people that, in, that are in my sphere right now that I don't, I don't know if they know Jesus or not? How can I pray for them? Can I pray that God would give me an opportunity to share this message with him? And we're going to talk more in specifics about that um, in a couple of weeks uh, in Sunday school when we do our time on evangelism. So, um, but who do we tell? Just some closing thoughts on this second point. Uh, one, I think it's important to say that Jesus' message is relevant to the whole world and to all different kinds of people living in it. Which means we proclaim this message wherever there are people, not just across the world, but down the street. Which means we actually have to engage with people. 
We have to engage with people. We have to get to know them, get to know what they care about, understand where they're coming from. We've got to break the holy huddle, right? Uh, we've, got to, we've got to engage with people beyond, uh, beyond grace fellowship. And when we do that, we want to begin to see where does their story intersect with Jesus' story? Are there crucial points of need? I was talking with a lady in our church who, who regularly disciples and evangelizes others. And for her, it's, it's moments of crisis. It's when other ladies call her and say, hey, this is what's going on in my life. Provides a great point for Jesus' story to intersect with a, with a real life story. Um, we're not talking about turning people into projects. We don't want to do that. But we are talking about engaging with people to the end that hopefully they'll come to know Jesus. And that can take on lots of different forms. So, we've got the good news. And we know who to tell. We take it wherever there are people. But how does that work? How does, how does this actually work in real life? I understand the message. I understand that I'm called to report it, you know, to tell it to other people. But I can't bear that burden. Uh, what if I say something wrong? I think this is, this is where, uh, this is where mission really, really gets us the most. This is, this is where fear creeps in, right? What if, what if I don't say it right? As if we're trying to sell somebody a car, right? If I, if I don't, if I don't make the sale right now, they won't, I won't get the commission and they won't get the minivan. That's not what we're doing. Okay? We're not, we're not selling anything. But what if I say something wrong? What if they don't believe me? Some in the past in the church have been guilty of saying, well, then that, that person's blood is on my hands. If I don't take the opportunity to, to share the gospel with them, if I don't get it all right, if they don't believe, then that's on me. I've got some good news for you. Look at what Jesus promises both in Luke 24 and in Acts chapter 1. In fact, he tells the disciples to stay put until this happens. Don't do a thing until I send the Holy Spirit. When I send the Holy Spirit, He will empower you to bear witness. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit empowers Christians to share the good news. That means that the results are up to God. Not up to us. The burden of changing the heart of another human being rests with God, not with you. What Jesus is calling these first disciples to, these first witnesses, these first reporters, what He is calling us to if we are in Christ is to simply bear witness. Is to simply tell tell what we have experienced, to tell the good news. Maybe that maybe you get the opportunity to do the whole thing, uh, to explain the whole story. Maybe you just get the opportunity to listen to someone's story with hope for a follow up later. But we allow we we let that burden we let that burden off of our shoulders and realize that, that the Holy Spirit is the one who changes the heart. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives new birth. We just simply get to be the opportunity, uh, you know, we, we just simply get to be faithful in, in saying what we know.
telling what we know. That really should remove a burden from us. We're, we're just tools, right? We're just, we're just instruments in the Redeemer's hand, all right? Um, the screwdriver in my tool bag, it's pretty useless all by itself. It doesn't work on its own. Okay, it's it's never it's never it's never put a cabinet together by itself. Okay, it does that when power is applied to it in the same way when it comes to when it comes to bearing witness, when it comes to being ambassadors of grace. The Holy Spirit is the power uh, that that empowers us. He is the one uh, who causes the new birth and brings the result. Brian Chapel. Is a uh, he's a seminary professor, uh, preaching professor, pastor. Um, he's written books. You know, he's only you know famous to nerdy Presbyterian people. Anyway, um, but he tells a story about his brother who was in who was in prison uh, and is terrified to death of what's going to happen to him. Uh, and his fellow cellmate, so also a prisoner. Uh, looks at Brian Chapel's brother and says, "I don't know what you're. I don't know what you're scared about. I don't know what you're worried about. But if you will trust Jesus, everything will be okay." And Brian Chapel's brother, for the first time, believed the gospel, uh, received received Christ, and was and was a Christian. And it didn't come from the highly credentialed. Pastor, seminary president, professor. It came from a, a lowly fellow inmate. Right, so it's it's not just the professionals. Uh, in fact, very there, there are very few professionals. Uh, their impact will be very small. Uh, but it was it's the normal person uh, sharing the message of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit that brings change in a person's life. So. Let's be faithful and let's trust God with the results. So that's the message. Jesus. Uh, we take it to wherever there are people and we trust the Holy Spirit to do His work. We can be faithful to share the message and we can trust the Holy Spirit. But maybe one more thing ought to be said. One more thing that would be helpful in terms of sharing Jesus with others. Is it possible that we don't share Jesus with others uh, because we don't find Him relevant to the lives of others? And is it possible that we don't find Him relevant to the lives of others because He's really not relevant to us? That Christianity is really just kind of a side thing. Just one aspect, right? One tool in the bag that makes me, me. If Jesus is not a regular part of my conversation, it probably means that I don't see him at work, that I don't really see his story intersecting with my story. And that may mean then that I don't really believe in who Jesus is. I've never actually trusted, I've never actually repented and trusted in the saving work of Jesus. Because I believe when that happens, the more and more that I see Jesus' story relevant in my own, I cannot help but talk. I cannot help but encourage you with that, and I cannot help but encourage others with that. And so before you can be an ambassador of grace, you must first have received grace. Before you can speak of God's reconciling sinners, 
You need to have been reconciled to God yourself. So I invite you this morning, not necessarily to the calling of missionary, but to believing on the Lord Jesus who died for you and was raised for you that you could be free from your sin. Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you again that you are at work in the world. That this is your mission. We talk about our mission, but really, Lord, it's yours. You simply are allowing us to participate in it. Calling us to be faithful and trusting you. So Lord, I pray that we would be increasingly infatuated with you. That we would see you putting sin to death in us. That we would be growing in worship. That we would be growing in true gospel-centered community. And that we would grow in our understanding of how to share your good news with the people around us. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.